Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is Friday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, just a housekeeping note, I'm going to be out on Monday and Tuesday with the family. We're hoping, assuming the kids get better, that we can sneak out of town for a couple of days. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, I actually want to begin this hour with a phone call of someone who has been waiting patiently because it directly relates to what I was going to get into uh, shifting some stuff around what I wanted to talk about uh, with Bob on hold here from Fayetteville. But before I get to Bob, let me tell you, you can call in as well. It is 877-973-7425. It is Friday, kind of a free-for-all on the phones for you. Now, Bob in Fayetteville, let me fire up your phone call here. Welcome to the program. Hello, Eric. How are you doing? Great, great. You there? Yes. I got I getting over bronchitis, so I may be a little bit Hard to understand. I listened to your comments about uh, people being going to end up staying at home and that. And I thought about the Green Deal and electric vehicles. And something that's not talked about much, uh, I think it was Ford or General Motors is building an $8 billion plant for fabricating electric vehicles. Well, a friend of my wife's son bought a Prius hybrid or not a hybrid, electric, and it's a used vehicle. And right after it got 50,000 miles on it, uh, the warranty expired, and the battery went dead. They valued the car at $3,500, and the replacement cost for the batteries at 8000 My point being, new, new electric vehicles are going to cost probably the same as a new car, 35 40 or 50 there aren't going to be many used vehicles around. The majority of middle class or a large number of the middle class and especially lower income rely on used vehicles, used auto parts to be able to have mobility to get to their jobs. That's all going away with electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And the ability of those people to own one will be, they won't. So we're going to condemn them to using public transportation, which because of suburban and, and they, you know, the people in those areas want to get out of urban areas to, to, rural, to more rural or suburban areas. They're going to be screwed. I mean, and these people are doing this. I'd like to say they're doing it because they have no ability to think more than one step in front of them <laughs> as know- to what the ramifications yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so Bob, listen, you're, you're, you're right here. Of what they're doing. You're absolutely right. And thank you very much for the phone call. I hope you get over the bronchitis. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. You sounded fine. Um, I, I, let me, let me talk about Bob's point because this plays out very much to what I wanted to get to. There is a problem shaping up and, and let me jump from electric cars that Bob's talking about first to the power grid situation. You saw what happened in Texas in the wintertime. They didn't have enough baseload power. Now, let me explain baseload power to you. If you don't know what baseload power is, the baseload power is the power that snap your finger, call it up. It's there. Nuclear or coal, in some cases, hydroelectric, but typically it's coal, natural gas, nuclear. Now, why? Very rudimentary. Let's just review the basics from from middle school. You take a nail, you wrap a copper wire around it, you pass a magnet back and forth. 
It causes, it pushes out the electrons in a loop. That's called electricity, the flow of the electrons around the wire. You, you move the magnet back and forth over the, the metal nail, the, the, the iron nail that has the copper wrapped around it. You generate electricity. Now, we have scaled that up to these giant nails with copper coils around them and magnets called generators. And then we have to spin them. And the way we spin them is to generate steam and high pressure steam has the power to do this or falling water or water under lots of pressure like a dam. And it passes through and it turns the paddles and it spins the magnets around the coils and voila, you get electricity. This this is the way we've been uh, creating electricity for 100 years. There are new methods that are very inefficient. We haven't got to photovoltaic cells and the like, the, the way uh, solar panels work, things like that. But the very basic way to generate electricity has not changed. What does nuclear power do? Nuclear power doesn't generate electricity. Nuclear power generates heat that boils water, that creates high-pressure steam, that pushes the turbines, that create the power. Coal is burned to boil the water, to create the steam, to generate the, the uh, pressure, to move the paddles, to spin the generators. Natural gas is done the same way. Hydroelectric, you hold a whole lot of water back behind a dam, and then at the bottom, you provide a little tube that all that water pushing down on the weight causes a lot of pressure. It goes through, it turns the paddles to spin the generators to generate the electricity. That's everything at the bottom to generate electricity is about spinning a magnet very fast around a coil of copper over an iron rod to generate electricity. At the, it, listen, this is like, this is not even like electricity 101. This is grade school stuff. But when you think about it, it is kind of wild, isn't it? That a hundred years later, we don't have a better means of producing electricity. We have better means of producing heat to produce the steam to spin the generators, but we don't actually have new forms of electrical generation except things like photovoltaic cell cells where the sunlight can be converted. They're not all that efficient. They're getting better with solar, solar panels and things like that. But even the wind energy, what do we do with wind energy? The wind spins the windmill, which spins the magnet around the copper coil and the iron to generate electricity. That's the, the if we came up with a new way to generate electricity other than a magnet spinning around this coil, uh, maybe maybe we could get to it. But th th that's it. That's what we do. My apologies to the electrical engineers who feel dumber for what I just said because you're smarter than me on this and you know better. But I'm just keep in mind here, just talking basics generally to the audience. Now. The problem here is that we have limited means by which we create the heat to boil the water to generate the steam. Natural gas, oil, coal, nuclear, wind and solar, and hydro. There are times the sun doesn't shine, so there are times that solar power doesn't work. In the wintertime, Solar power doesn't do well because the days are shorter. Darkness lasts longer. Wind, to some degree, does okay in winter months because it tends to be windier during winter months. But then in the summer, if it's cloudy and rainy, 
and stagnant. You may not have wind power. You may not have solar power. You need baseload power. The baseload power is the power you can just flip a switch and it heats up immediately to boil the water to provide the steam to turn the turbine to generate the electricity. Nuclear power is always on. It's always available. The problem we have is that countries in the West are getting rid of their baseload power because they have internalized the climate crisis. And as they get rid of their baseload power, they're using power systems, wind and solar in particular, that can't hold up over time. In Europe, it's making them more dependent on a backup natural gas supply, but they've stopped laying pipeline and drilling for natural gas. So where does it come from? Russia. It makes Europe dependent on Russia. Vladimir Putin is ruling the roost on this. Vladimir Putin is telling Russians that he's not going to go down the path the Europeans have gone where he gets rid of his baseload power. And that if the Europeans want to buy power from Russia, they're more than welcome to, but he's not going to get rid of his baseload power. In this country, there's an organized effort to get rid of coal-burning power plants. Now, you can actually make coal-burning power plants more efficient and get rid of emissions more easily. It's expensive to do, and regulations have become so burdensome, a lot of coal-powered plants are going offline. Here in Georgia, where I am, we've got the only actively being built nuclear plant in the country. In fact, we have lost the ability to build nuclear power plants in this country because of a brain drain. All the major nuclear power plants are now built in Russia and China, and we, we don't have them here. We don't have the engineering skills here anymore. There are new ways to build nuclear power plants, but we have not explored those ways. There are ways to build safe nuclear power plants that don't have meltdowns like Chernobyl or, or Three Mile Island or, or Fukushima or whatever, which was earthquake-related. But we don't do it. We haven't invested as a nation in this stuff. Now, let's transition heading back towards Bob's point on electric vehicles. What Remember the spin used to be global warming. The world was going to heat up. That's still the bottom line, their, con their concern. But ultimately, in the meantime, it's climate change. Climate change is a climate crisis. Climate change means in some places it may become dramatically more cold, dramatically more hot at any given period. The Antarctic, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but the Antarctic is hitting record lows. The ice has expanded so much in Antarctica right now that uh, there had been some risk uh, to the settlers down there for the various countries and the research stations because the ice was growing coming off the ocean. Uh, the, the, the water was causing more ice pack, making it harder to get in and get out and, and making it more difficult to manage these uh, research stations we have. They are expecting in the United States and Europe a brutal winter this year in the east of the United States and through continental Europe. And you're going to need power. And if your power is wind and solar and it's dark and not windy, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to rely on even more expensive coal and natural gas. It's going to be a tax on the poor. The rich people are going to be able to afford their power bill. The poor people are not. Now, let's get directly to Bob's point. They get us all off our fossil fuel cars. 
We all get Teslas, and we hope they don't burn up in the garage at night if the battery gets overheated. Um, well, what's going to happen to the power grid when we need all of that power, not just to power our homes, but now we all need it to power our cars? What's going to happen? You actually need more power plants. You know, I remember when I was in 10th grade, moved back to the United States, had a went to a private school, Wilkinson County Christian Academy in, in Woodville, Mississippi, had a biology teacher, and she had me uh, write something on the climate. I mean, this was back in the early 90s when global warming was a thing and Time Magazine was putting it on the covers and and uh, the, the rise of electricity. And I said at the time, if, if more people have battery-powered cars, you're going to need more power plants. And, you know, she took points off for that claim. She's, no, that's not true. I knew it then in 10th grade, and now everyone agrees. Wish I could find that woman and show her that paper now that I still have it. But I'll never forget. I was like, this woman is an idiot. In 10th grade, I, I I knew enough to know that if everybody converts to electric powered cars, you're going to have to have more of a power grid. And so that cost is going to go up, particularly if you're using renewables. And so what happens? The costs trickle down. We are in this country at this moment in the 21st century obsessed with income inequality. The left is obsessed with income inequality. And to a degree, actually, there is a problem with income inequality. It makes people more susceptible to believing socialism is the answer when incomes are so unequal. You start driving up the costs of power. You start putting people in battery-powered vehicles that cost so much and can't get them as far as their gas-powered vehicle. They're dependent on public transportation costs, which also go up. You're taxing the poor into oblivion. And you don't even realize it. So you're going to give them government subsidies. That's what all of this fighting in Washington about the about the reconciliation bill is, is the Democrats trying to align priorities to essentially create a universal basic income without calling it that in order to subsidize poor Americans and middle class Americans for the coming climate change legislation that's going to drive up their costs and drive up their prices. And there's still a problem that they can't solve by handing you and me money. They cannot make the sun shine at night, and they cannot make the wind blow on demand. And that's going to hurt us all when there's no power in the hospitals or the schools or your house at night, thanks to democratic advances. Europe is about to face this crisis this winter. They're already warning it. Vladimir Putin is already telling them, you're going to have to buy from me. And the Europeans are pretending it's not going to happen. They've put their head in the sand. We will watch them freeze their head in the sand this summer or this winter. All right. Okay. I got to dwell on this point because a friend of mine who's an engineer for one of the power companies, uh, not George Power, actually uh, lives over in Louisiana. He's listening to the show. And he just texted me and he said, no, actually, it it, it actually – you think you're not explaining it right because it seems so bizarre, but actually, yes – all of our energy goes into finding ways to generate steam, to turn turbines, to generate electricity. Uh, and he was telling me there actually are uh, various other ways to generate electricity. None of them are as efficient, though. And that in and of itself, it's highly inefficient to generate electricity. 
It's just the whole thing just kind of blows my mind that well, imagine there's some alien world out there and that alien world is having to generate steam to turn turbines to generate electricity. Surely at some point there will be new way. We will come up with additional ways to generate electricity, but that's kind of your baseload power. That's it. It's just it, the this is it's fascinating to me, and it kind of hurts my head that in uh, all of our years of being able to generate electricity, what we have advanced on is not the method of producing the movement of the electron, but the method of producing the movement of the generator that produces the movement of the electron. And I just that that actually is something that fascinates me. I don't know why it's that y'all. I don't know. You know, you, you know what an earworm is. You get a you get a music you get a bit of music stuck in your head and you can't get it out. This is like a brain worm to me. I I cannot when I start thinking about this particular issue. It, it generally I it just I am genuinely fascinated by the fact that a hundred years later we are still just trying to produce a more efficient means of spinning a turbine which is essentially a magnet around a copper coil wrapped around an iron rod in order to produce a movement of electrons as opposed to finding other ways to move those electrons. The only other, the exception to this is solar power. And for years we have used solar power going back into the 70s and and the space program using solar power to generate uh, photovoltaic cells to be able to generate electricity. But it's, in the grand scheme of things, not uh, not efficient, and it's actually really environmentally damaging. Solar pa- solar panels, the, chem- the, the minerals and resources and chemicals used are really damaging to the environment, and particularly the small children who are typically the ones who go in and harvest the minerals to be able to get it. It's deeply polluting. There's got I, I, I imagine there's got to be some... There's got to be some research facility somewhere trying to come up with new ways to generate electricity, not just to spin the spin the generator. But I just I, I don't know. I, I didn't mean to dwell on this. I'm just it's just fascinating to me. By the way, uh, I need to give a shout out to Georgia Tech. Yes, Georgia Tech. It's it's college football weekend. A hundred five years ago today, Georgia Tech pulled off what is still the biggest blowout. In college football history. Are you ready for this? 222 to 0. Georgia Tech versus Cumberland on October 7th, 19. Uh, I guess it was yesterday, then October 7th, 1916. Hi there. All right. Uh, one last call on energy. Uh, Susan Indicator, I'm going to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hi there. Um, just something quick to throw into the to the mix where you're talking about power is um, several places around the world they have made some really huge advances in nuclear fusion, um, like nuclear power plants that we have nowadays as nuclear fission through splitting atoms. Nuclear fusion is you're fusing atoms, and and they can produce much more power out of a fusion reaction and and you have no radioactive you know you don't have radioactive waste and a bunch of other stuff and look up nuclear fusion advances because i really think that that it's very clean 
And once they get it right, I mean, some some people are thinking as soon as 2025, there might be some some um, nuclear fusion operations that are actually generating power. And yeah. um, look that up because it's a really interesting field. And it would take away a lot of the complaints that the tree huggers have about generating power in, um, overall. Right. Thank you for that. Uh, yes. So nuclear fusion. In fact, there was a big report over the weekend that scientists at MIT or Harvard One have made a huge advance on on fusion. So uh, it just and then I really I really want to move on from the energy discussion, but. Um, so nuclear fission, as Susan said, it's splitting the atom. The original atomic bomb was a, f- a fission explosion, releases a lot of energy. Uh, control rods are used to uh, control the amount of fission, to contain the heat, to be able to boil the water with fusion. It's atoms merging together. The sun is a fusion chamber. The sun, the atoms are are being pulled together. It generates more heat and releases more energy. So you can boil the water to convert the steam to spin the generator faster and more efficiently than anything else. Nuclear fusion is highly efficient to generate the heat necessary to convert the steam to turn the turbine. It it doesn't generate electricity in and of itself. It generates a ton of heat, but also it does so very cleanly. Nuclear fission causes a nuclear byproduct waste that in a breeder reactor can be used again, but in a lot of cases the fuel rods – have to be disposed of, and they're they're held all over the country where there are. This is what they want to use what uh, Yucca Mountain for to store the the waste. If we could get to real fusion, not cold fusion, there are people who believe you can do cold fusion, which is very science fiction, where you can cause fusion, uh, which will in some means produce electricity without generating heat. It's not really going to happen, um, more likely than not, but real fusion probably is now. Speaking of fusion, we've got to go to the Democrats in Washington and their fusion of ideas to get a reconciliation package. Ha! How about that transition, pig farmer? (laughs) The fusion of ideas in the Democratic Party is causing a fission uh, within the Democratic Party. They are splitting apart as they try to put their ideas together. Joe Manchin dropped an F-bomb on Chuck Schumer yesterday. Y'all, the United States Senate is in a suicide pact right now, and it is actually from the outside. I don't normally, I'm not into watching train wrecks. I am totally down for watching this train wreck. I've got to lay the landscape for you here. Right now, you have uh, Joe Manchin versus Chuck Schumer. Joe Manchin is trying to tell Chuck Schumer that Chuck Schumer needs to be more diplomatic in his negotiations with Mitch McConnell because we are on the verge of a serious financial crisis in the country because Mitch McConnell has just managed to merge the government shutdown and debt ceiling together. And Chuck Schumer didn't realize that McConnell was doing that. Schumer wanted a win so bad yesterday that even as he's the one who accepted McConnell's plan, he seated all the headline writers with McConnell blinks, and then he blinked and took McConnell's deal, which puts Schumer into a shutdown debt ceiling crisis trap. So Schumer rubbed McConnell's nose in it on the floor of the Senate yesterday. And then Joe Manchin went to Chuck Schumer thereafter, according to multiple witnesses who overheard him, and said that was a really uh, stupid effing thing to say. 
Yeah. Well, hey, it's not just them. Um, You've got Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders are fighting together now. Uh, The war of words between these two men is intensifying. And really, it's Bernie Sanders. Joe Manchin doesn't care. You can tell who's in charge here by how much he doesn't care. Schumer and Sanders care tremendously, and Sanders has begun insult comedy hour going out every day now, including about an hour ago, attacking Joe Manchin for holding the Senate hostage, yet again saying two senators are blocking the Senate. Actually, it's 52 senators blocking the Senate. He just doesn't like that two of them are Democrats. That's becoming a problem, and now there is the Bernie sanders Kristen Cinema fight. Kristen Cinema, you know, she had protesters storm into a bathroom video her while she was getting into a into a stall to use the bathroom. They videoed her berating her the whole time she was there and then followed her onto an airplane and continued to do it. Democrats in the Senate tried to author a letter denouncing the harassment of Kristen Cinema. Bernie Sanders refused to sign on to it unless it also denounced her views. That didn't go over so well. And now it's Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema versus the Democrats. Democrats are behind the scenes furious. They are blasting Manchin and Cinema on background, saying that it is audacious for them to hold the Democrats hostage. They're really attacking Kristen Cinema because she used to be a pretty progressive Democrat and is now very moderate. They feel more betrayed by her than Joe Manchin. The reason is very simple. When Kristen Cinema was in the House of Representatives, she was a very progressive Democrat. She was a Code Pink activist. Code Pink are the people who really dressed up as as uh, in um, female reproductive organ costumes. I really don't want to say that word on the radio, the V word. And they protested George Bush. Kristen Cinema was one of those people. She was a far left abortion rights advocate in the House. And now she's become this moderate maverick. You know, if you're a Republican maverick, the media loves you. But if you're a Democratic maverick, you're helping the evil Republicans. Therefore, you're bad. And Kristen Cinema is presumed to be a Democratic maverick. And so she's bad, unlike John McCain, whose seat she's in, who was a Republican maverick. So he was a hero. Oh, he stood up to Donald Trump and he saved Obamacare. Our hero, St. John. Not so with Cinema. And behind the scenes, the Democrats are beside themselves with rage, and they can't do anything about it. Now, why can't they do anything about it? Well, it turns out when you have a 50-50 Senate, you can't navigate too well. CNN's Manu Raju uh, is talking about the Sanders Mansion feud. He says they are trillions of dollars apart on their price tag. Sanders was asked by CNN about Joe Manchin's criticisms of the Democratic package. He said, I can't speak for Mr. Manchin. I'm not a psychologist. A Democratic senator told CNN that the frustration with Manchin and Cinema is quote-unquote off the charts and accused them of doing it for publicity reasons. The president told progressives this week that he had spent hours with Manchin and Cinema and they don't move. Biden even claimed Kristen Cinema had stopped returning his phone calls. 
It's gotten so bad. Now, this is Ed Morrissey at HotAir.com. It's gotten so bad, Raju reports, that now no one can see how to resolve the feud. Sanders has taken to insulting Manchin publicly. And while Manchin says he takes nothing personally, he's also digging even deeper over the last 48 hours. Manchin and Kristen Cinema have become so persona non grata that Joe Manchin won't even condemn the harassment of Kristen Cinema. So what are the moves? Well, Manchin and Cinema can do the math. As Ed Morrissey notes, there are five equations. Equation one. 50-50 and 220-212. Democrats barely control either chamber of con- Congress, which means radical changes are not just impossible. They're platforms for political disaster. Equation two, Joe Biden lost West Virginia by 39 points. Equation three, Joe Biden won Arizona by four-tenths of a point only because Trump proved to be so unpopular. Republicans themselves were not unpopular. Equation four, adding up all the COVID-19 relief packages passed by Congress shows we've already added or appropriated $5.3 trillion in off-budget spending. And equation five, annual inflation has risen to 5.25% at the end of August, which is not at all coincidental to equation four, the $5.3 trillion we are already spending. Manchin's not going to flip. At least I don't think he will. Maybe he will. Maybe Joe Manchin would flip to the GOP. But it would actually serve it serves Mitch McConnell's purposes to have Manchin and Cinema both being Democrats. Why? Why why? Well, because as long as the Democrats are in charge of the House, the Senate, and the White House, it's all their problem. Mitch McConnell doesn't have to do Jack. Mitch McConnell doesn't have to do anything. Mitch McConnell doesn't have to lead. So as long as Manchin and Cinema stay Democrat, Mitch McConnell gets to obstruct and, and maneuver around Chuck Schumer with their help without having to get any sort of public blame for being in a leadership position. He's not. If anything, it helps to keep them Democrat. But on top of it helping McConnell to keep them Democrat— It helps Joe Manchin to stay Democrat because he might be beaten in a Republican primary in West Virginia, and there's no one in the Democratic Party in West Virginia who can beat him in a primary, in a Democratic primary. With Cinema, she's not up for re-election for three more years. The dynamics will change, but as long as Joe Biden is at 38% popularity, it changes in her favor. All of that means that the progressives who think they're the majority, they're not. Not only are they not the majority, they don't have the power. They have leadership. The leadership positions are not power. This is what the Democrats seem not to remember. It's never leadership positions that are the power. It's the power that's the power. It's the people who use the power who are the power. It's the people who have the means to block who are the powerful, and that's Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema right now. They've got the power. Is everybody else hearing, I got the power? Yeah, you, you are. You, you, you know it. Nonetheless, the Democrats thought if they could control it all, they would be able to advance their agenda, but they don't control it all when you've got Manchin and Cinema out there and you've got a 50-50 Senate. Now, here's the 
real problem for the Democrats. The public doesn't see it that way. The reality and the perception are two different things, and perception cannot become reality in a way that helps the Democrats. Why? Because the reality is Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are the power centers of the Senate. The perception of the public is that, well, the Democrats control the Senate. Why can't the Democrats get anything done? It's the Democrats who control. They control the Senate. They control the House. They control the White House. So it's all on them. It's all on them. And because they control everything, they they are the majority of the committees. They have the tie-breaking vote from the vice president. They control the House. They control the White House. The public perceives that they're in charge even as they really aren't. And that will spell disaster for the Democrats in the midterms if they can't advance this agenda. And they can't advance this agenda because Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are blocking it. It is not an enviable position. Chuck Schumer has coveted the majority leader position. He finally got it. And Mitch McConnell is still in charge of the Senate. That's not where Chuck Schumer wanted to be. Now, let me tell you where I want you guys to be. I want you all to be with Patriot Mobile as customers. You know, more and more woke corporations in this country, they're spending their profits behind the scenes on woke causes, on critical theory, on diversity, equity, inclusion. Patriot Mobile is conservative and Christian, explicitly so. Explicitly so. They're not going to go woke. They're not going to spend your money on diversity, equity, and inclusion. In fact, they give their profits to pro-life causes and Second Amendment causes and veteran and first responder causes. So you sign on with Patriot Mobile, you're doing business with a company that shares your values. Not only that, you're doing business with a business that has 100% U.S.-based customer service. And I got to tell you, their cell phone quality is great. I drove yesterday, so my house is in middle Georgia, and I had to drive up north of Atlanta. It was three hours on the interstate because of rain and wrecks. It was two and a half hours on backwards. I went through parts of Georgia I didn't even know existed, and I never lost cell phone coverage. In the middle of Flow Villa, Georgia. Hi, y'all in Flow Villa. You blink, you miss it. I went through one part of Georgia where I was expecting to get into a suburban area, and instead it was cows and farms and an airport. I have no idea where I was, but I didn't lose cell service with Patriot Mobile. You won't either. And you can switch your phone number with them, or you can get a new phone number. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation with my name, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. This hour of this year's program is brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan nationwide. They can help your business grow you need a fleet of vehicles, you want to build a building, you want to buy a building, go to firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they can help you get to yes in your financing where so many banks are telling you no. See if you're a good fit for them and them for you, firstlibertyga.com. This is a heck of a correction from the New York Times. Uh, the, The headline was a new vaccine strategy for children, just one dose for now. And it included a ton of errors. Let me read for you the correction. An earlier version of this article incorrectly described actions taken by regulators in Sweden and Denmark. They have halted use of the Moderna vaccine in children. They have not begun offering single doses. The article also misstated the number of COVID hospitalizations in U.S. children. 
It is more than 63,000 from August 2020 to October 2021, not 900,000 since the beginning of the pandemic. In addition, the article misstated the timing of an FDA meeting on authorization of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children. It is later this month, not next week. I would like to know how this happened. The New York Times, you will recall, fired its science writer because he used the N-word. He did not use the N-word as a pejorative. He actually uttered the word trying to find out, ascertain if someone else had used the word so that he could discipline that person. But because he said, did so-and-so say N-word, as opposed to referring to it as the N-word, he got fired, was shown the door. Their new science reporter, Apoorva Mandavilli, is a progressive activist, actually really is a progressive activist, who screwed up a story, a new vaccine strategy for children, just one dose for now. And then one of the major corrections is that, in fact, they are not offering single doses to children right now in Sweden and Denmark. How on earth does this reporter still have her job. She does because Apoorva Mandavelli is, well, a progressive non-white female at the New York Times. She may be the winner of the Victor Cohen Prize for Excellence in Medical Science Reporting, but she screwed up a whole lot of stories on science.